All right, episode number 22, Senior Grandmaster Chuck Sullivan. Uh, interesting factoid, uh, he was also on episode number 11. So double that, you got episode 22, and here we are. So we covered on the first one. Uh, if you haven't listened to that one yet, that one came out February 12th. Uh, so go back and listen to that. Then you'll be all caught up for where we start this one. Uh, first episode took us from his beginnings in 1959 to about 1964, 1965. So this episode takes us from 1965 to the present and into the future. So uh, great chat with Chuck, and I'm not going to go with too much more preface with this. We'll get right to the show. Okay, so we are down at Casa de Chuck this time. So part two of the Chuck Sullivan podcast. Yeah. Yay. Thank you again for having us. Oh, thank you for being here. And this is a long, a long haul for you guys. That's okay. It was well worth it. So got to see my sister, got to come down and see you guys. We're on the well, podcast. That's good. Yeah, a twofer. That's that's always good. Get some tech issues out of the way, so yeah. all good. Uh-huh. Yes, indeed. And thank you for the tech issues. My pleasure. Much, so. much, much appreciated. <laughs> uh, so I think when we left off the last time, we had just covered through part of the uh, like 1960s era. So we went and talked briefly about Hawthorne. Um, but we, how did the end of the 60s finish out? Where were you guys at? Where were you at at the end of the 60s and the 70s towards you know as far as training and teaching going? All right, uh, the 60s, um, we were at, at Crenshaw up through uh, 60, about 66, and um, and then we moved over to Hawthorne Boulevard and to Englewood, and in, uh, I, let's see, that had, like I said, about 66, and... Then we uh, we were over there for a few years, uh, sixty nine. All right, I think till about seventy two. Because in sixty nine, uh, a friend of mine and myself opened a uh, a bar in in uh, Westchester, and uh, mothers we, uh, a, a beer bar. Was that mothers? Mother? No, 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 no. That was fathers. Fathers. Ah, yeah, yeah. Okay, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Close enough. <laughs> Actually, because because mothers was the place to go in that area. At the time. Nice. There was only a couple of places. I mean, they packed that place, in, I mean, to the gills. I mean, they, they packed it till you couldn't get a sardine in there. And uh, and we figured if we could <laughs> just get their overflow a few miles west, that we'd be okay. Nice. And uh, we opened up. Unfortunately, at that particular time, uh, people going out and, and drinking beer with their friends, and it was all kids. Mm. You know, just, just I mean, in fact, I mentioned many of them didn't even have valid IDs, but they're they phony. <laughs> and, uh, but they were having a good time. And then all of a sudden in 68 comes the Tet Offensive okay. in, in Vietnam. All right, well, when the Tet Offensive hit, by 69, it got serious. The war got, then it really became serious. And in 69, the draft let everybody know that if you weren't in school and getting good grades, you were going to be drafted into the United States military and you were going to find your way to Southeast Asia and it was going to be Vietnam all over it. So everybody started really knuckling down and, and those that didn't <laughs> got drafted. And all of a sudden, uh, people going out with their friends and drinking beer wasn't the thing to do anymore. Understandable. Uh, not only that, uh, another element came along at just about that same time that became pretty popular and it involved inhaling. <laughs> so... <laughs> you didn't have to have an ID for that. They delivered. It was uh, probably not any more expensive than going out and drinking beer. And all of a sudden, these clubs began to just 
they, they began to fold. Mm. And, uh, and and what happened with ours, of course, it didn't fold. It just never got going. Mm. <laughs> so we spent a couple of years um, just kind of limping along until we finally sold the place. But uh, we did have a lot of fun there. Mm. Anyhow, but that has nothing to do with, with the art. Uh, during that particular time, though, I remember I was I was working my full-time job. And then I was running the bar uh, three nights a week and every other Sunday. And then I was teaching two nights a week. And my wife told me, she says, you can't do this. And I thought she meant, I forbid you from doing this. And I said, oh, yeah, you watch me. Well, she was right. I couldn't do it, but not for the reasons that I thought. <laughs> I just couldn't physically do it. So, <laughs> so eventually things started just you know, going away. And uh, at that time is, is when we, uh, we closed up the, uh, the Crenshaw School. And in the early 70s, the art took a big hit. Mm-hmm. You know, um, the, uh, the early days is, is when it had its, its biggest leap forward. People didn't know what it was, and when they began finding out what it was, then they, all of a sudden they were intrigued, and uh, and they really started getting into it and behind it. And then by the mid, by the early '70s, really, um, it just it, it it went flat, and uh, there was a lot of schools went down at that particular mm-hmm. time, and only the uh, the strong survived. And at that particular time, um, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think where I was. Well, I went to school. I went back to school um, for filmmaking, and uh, which was really good because then later on, um, Ed Parker had I, and I had done the, the films. So we talked about that before. Mm-hmm. While well, we did it, all right. Well, um, at that time, I, I knew nothing about film or filmmaking, and uh, and we just were lucky to get done what we got done. So then I figured, well, if I'm ever going to do this again, I want to know a little bit more about what I'm doing. And so I went to school, and uh, and I, I took uh, about two years of, of filmmaking in the evenings and so on. And I just worked out occasionally with friends and so on. And then uh, in, in about uh, 81, there was a kind of a long period in there from 72 to 81, where it was just kind of off and on here and there. And, and uh, drop in for a class was, here or there, or whatever. And what? Just drop in for a class here or there if you wanted to. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I actually, I was, I was, I was going to West LA pretty steady. And I was teaching down there. Yeah, I remember there was a, a few years down there. I was, I was actually teaching before they moved across the street on the Sepulveda Boulevard off of uh, Santa Monica Boulevard. And, uh, yeah, there was a few years that I was doing that. And because I remember I went down and, and uh, I talked to Ed, and he, he made me an offer of uh, five bucks an hour. And I said, I, fine, great. Mm-hmm. And that was that was cool. Sure, because <laughs> <laughs> I'd have done it for nothing. Yeah. And as a matter of fact, later on, I, I, it's exactly what I wound up doing because uh, George Waite came to me and said and told me he says things are really rough. Chuck, would you mind you know if, if we if we didn't pay you for a while? And of course, for a while meant from now on. Right. So which is what it was. <laughs> and I said, fine, George, no problem. And I, I just taught and I just kept teaching and, and kept going there. And uh, that went on for for quite some time. And then finally, it, it turned into about 1980. And at the end of 1980 is when Vic decided to open up on Hawthorne Boulevard. Did we get into that before? No, that's where we're oh, going. Right. Next. That's where we're at now. Yeah. So in 1980, Vic came along, and uh, and he said, "I want to open a school, and will you be the head instructor?" And I said, "Well, depends. What are you going to teach? <laughs> what do you mean? What am I going to teach? I'm going to teach what, what we do." I said, "Well, you going to try and teach the whole thing?" He said, "Well, sure." I said, "I'm not interested." Mm-hmm. And he said, "What do you, what do you mean?" I said, I'm not interested. You can't. I said, Vic, you can't teach it. Mm-hmm. It's it's become unteachable because it's become unlearnable. 
it, it's just become so huge that, I mean, through the uh, through the, the mid seventies, that nobody was getting up to black belt. They they couldn't they just couldn't sustain it. We we do not have the the Oriental mind. Well, nor do you have the eight hours a day to practice. Well, that's that's the other thing. And, mm-hmm. that, I mean, there are some now. That, all right, for instance, Steve Steve Sanders was Steve Muhammad now, but Steve Sanders at the time. Uh, he was truly an amateur. Mm-hmm. I mean, these other guys, Norris and, and, and Stone and all these guys, they were professionals. I mean, mm-hmm. that's what they did for a living. They taught every day. They were in it all the time, and that's what they did. Well, Sanders uh, was, at that time, working a full-time job. I was working a full-time job. Mm-hmm. And, and he competed as an amateur against the pros, and he did really, 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 really well. Yeah, that's an understatement. Yeah, really. Well, <laughs> I can, how many times can I say really? But, well, ask no. Tom Bleeker. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> no, he did so, so well. And uh, but he was as they as they call him now an outlier, mm-hmm. and he was just one of those guys that was that was destined and bound to do that. But the rest of us, uh, you know, we just did what we did, and we did what we could. And as amateurs, uh, many of us did very well, just in general. And that's what I always considered myself. And then as a as a school owner, um, I got more into teaching. I I, I really enjoy teaching. I, I, and what happened was it was funny because. Um, well, we finally hashed out the fact that we weren't going to teach at all, and we took the big red book at the time, and we just started slashing. Well, I started slashing, redlining. No, we're not going to teach that. No, we're not going to teach that. And then I'd get to one of them and say, no, no, wait a minute, I really like that one. i say, what part of it do you like? Well, I like the whole thing. i said, all right, do it. And I'd throw a punch at him, he'd do it, and then I'd nick him or, or do whatever about in the middle of it. i say, it falls apart right there. Well, yeah, but I like the first part. i said, okay, fine, create a second part. Mm-hmm. And, and we, we started doing that at the time. And then we got it, we got it down to where we probably cut about thirty or forty percent from the uh, from the syllabus. But the syllabus at that time had grown to thirty two techniques per belt level. Yeah, there was so that's one hundred ninety two techniques yeah. from white to black. That's well. Yeah, I think eventually it was like 100, 154 and like ninety six extensions or something. Well, I think it was one hundred ninety two, and then there was extensions. You might be correct. I yeah, it, it, it got up well thirty two times. You know how many belts? Yeah. And. Um, and I said, well, we can't do that. And, and we didn't. We, we, we cut it down. Because, and the old man used to come down all the time and watch our classes. Mm-hmm. And he really enjoyed what he was seeing. And he, he sanctioned every one of the promotions we ever made. There wasn't one time that I called him and said anything about promoting someone. And, and he said, well, I'm not too sure about him or whatever. Never. Mm-hmm. So we, we, all of our promotions were, were 100% sanctioned by him. And so was our workout. But our workout was completely different than theirs. Mm-hmm. Than his, it was just uh, to me. It was, it was kind of bizarre. Anyway, then uh, things went that way, and uh, and the school went went on. Oh, when uh, when he first opened up, he said something. I said something about what time are you going to start the classes? Because I worked until six, and I could only I could have to bust my buzz in before at even by seven, because I don't I didn't always I would close up and I couldn't always get out of there at uh, when I wanted to. Anyhow, yeah, you had a client or something. He's, you know? Yeah, he said, uh, well, you know, we'll start up at 7. I said, oh, I, can make, I can make that most of the time. Said, That's fine. And if I can't, somebody can start it, I can just jump right in. And he said, well, you're not going to teach the beginners. I said, uh, wait a minute. What do you mean I'm not going to? He said, no, you're, you're only the advanced class. And I said, no, no, I'm going to teach the beginners. I said, because, first of all, that's the most gratifying. That's when you see the biggest leap Mm-hmm. In, in in cognition and everything. I mean, all of a sudden, they're like, the lights have been turned on. Oh, my God, I can do that. I can do that. Oh, what else? What else? And I said, you know, anybody can run an advanced class. Mm-hmm. Anybody. Literally, any any belt you take, a, a brown belt can run an advanced class for black belts. 
They all know. They know all the stuff. All you got to do is conduct and say what you're going to do tonight. Mm-hmm. And usually, what you do is you look around at the crowd. You say, "All right, what do these guys or these people, women, whatever, what do they need the most?" And you try and you know gear it toward that. And you may change in the middle, because there's no syllabus. There's no actual lesson plan. Although mm-hmm. I did have a 100 lesson plan. Yeah, you were showing me some of the index cards earlier. Really Devised. Like, it, yeah, it was great, <laughs> except for one thing. Not everybody was there all the time, and that was the killer. Because then you'd have people in the class that weren't there the week before, so you couldn't have a review. So mm-hmm. that meant what? You had, I mean, you had to teach it. Yep, teach it Well, again. you couldn't do that for two people when there's a class of 20. Right. So these people kept missing out. I'll tell you a funny story. Uh, one night, we were doing five, five swords, which initially was the five count. Mm-hmm. All right. Then it became five swords. The names. Only the name changed. The technique didn't. And I had a brown belt come up to me after the class and say, wow, Chuck, that was really neat. And I said, what? Is that technique? I said, you're, you're a brown belt and you never saw everybody's favorite technique? How did he get to brown belt? That's what I'm asking. Yeah. How? That's... He just missed the classes on the particular night when they were doing Don't you have to test with it? No, no. At that time, in those days, we had no tests. Oh, okay. There were no tests. No. No. So the tests have been... Uh, a blessing and a curse at the same time, as far as as far as testing is concerned. Uh, the 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 blessing is that now you get a chance to see everybody. The curse in the beginning was the fact that things like this would happen. So you, when you first started doing testing, yeah. you'd find people that slipped through the cracks eventually at some point. So you got to catch them up. That's right. Hmm. Yeah. So, but the old man didn't need to test because why? He's teaching all the classes. Himself. He was he was the guy that was teaching. Right. And he never missed a class. And if you did, that was your problem. And then once but, it expanded, then he yeah. told you when you were ready. And he was—he was—I don't—I'd say he was never wrong, really. I mean, he never promoted anybody that uh, they didn't deserve promoting. Hmm. Now they might be. And the other thing was the thing I like about what we do is that you test when you feel ready, mm-hmm. and you tell us when you want to test, and you test when you want to test, because in those days the tests were infrequent. And I mean, I'm sorry, the promotions were infrequent. Mm-hmm. There was no test. And what would happen is somebody would be on the cusp, but not quite ready. Well, then within a few weeks or a month, he'd be ready and he'd mm-hmm. be right there, but it wouldn't test for another four or five months. Right. That happens a lot even these days in a lot of schools. Oh, sure. Sure. So it isn't fair. It isn't fair to those people because mm-hmm. they've got to wait that extra time when they're ready and, and, and should be progressing. Right. So we, we circumvented all that by letting you test when you want to test. Mm-hmm. Now, there may be some time when uh, somebody would want to test right after they just tested, and you might you know, tell them in all sincerity, hang off a while. Yeah, and that's the best thing you can do as an instructor. Absolutely, absolutely, because that's what, you, that's what your job is. Mm-hmm. That's what you're supposed to be doing. So anyway, we, uh, we didn't test. Uh, I didn't test for any belt that I ever, ever received up until the IKCA instituted its testing program, and then I tested for... Eighth, ninth, and tenth, mm-hmm. and I tested right along with everybody else. Granted, we had to we had to judge our own tests, mm-hmm. but if you can't be honest with yourself, yeah, then there's something really wrong. And and we wouldn't have tested anyway. It was just a formality, mm-hmm. but we had to do it. I had I insisted we had to do it. Well, if you're going to hold everybody else to it, it absolutely, it's, it speaks something for integrity wise if you're willing to put yourself through it. Absolutely, so, you know. So I started teaching the beginning. Oh, it's funny. Because Vic said, oh, you don't teach beginners. And I said, who's going to teach him? Well, you know, we'll get some guy. I said, holy. See, I, said, <laughs> I said, see, that's the problem, Vic. I said, who taught you your, your, who taught you your basics? Well, you did. I said, exactly. 
Uh, do you feel lacking? No. Well, no. Okay. So, you know, when it comes to these, these people, I, I want to be the guy. I want to be. What happens in most schools is your first group is your best group. Just almost every time. Mm-hmm. Because they're the ones you, you bring up. You really nurture and bring up. And then in most schools, somebody else takes over that job. And before you know it, it's the blind leading the blind. Right. Some purple belt is teaching the basics. He hadn't got them himself. Not really. I mean, he's got them when he, you know, to the point Yeah, but of, not the same way the instructors have That's it. not the yeah. same way that the seasoned guy has got it. Mm-hmm. The guy who's seen it all. The guy who's seen how people learn different things. And, and one of my favorite stories is we used to teach everything for the square horse. Mm-hmm. Teach you forward, hands on your hips, and you would cock it over here to, to deliver it over there, like an inward block, uh, inward block, outward block. You cock it across your face and then throw it out, and then all of a sudden you turn the, the student over into neutral bow, and now everything changed. Mm-hmm. So I had this one guy, and he kept putting his hand back on his hip. Well, that that put his hand facing east, but his opponent was facing north. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying, no, bring your other hand to the fight. Bring it up here to your chest. Mm-hmm. And he couldn't do it. He had practiced so long and so hard, his hand on his hip, that he literally, I'd, I'd, I'd take his hand and put it on his chest, and I'd say, all right, now get you, and he put it right back to his hip. Mm-hmm. And and then when he was doing his block, he was he was going left to go right. He was going east to go west. And I said, no, 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 it's right for me. Bam, it's right here. You don't cock it way over here. And, and, and he looked at me finally with a look of disgust, and he said to me, why did you teach it that way? Exactly. Why <laughs> did you? Then why did you teach me that way? And you know what I said? I'm never teaching it that way again. Duh. <laughs> <laughs> I said I, I was I was I was stumped, and, and of course the answer is is simple, because that's the way I learned it, mm-hmm. and that's the way I taught it to everybody. And so far, nobody had complained. Mm-hmm. Maybe they had internally, but they hadn't verbalized it. Right. And until somebody finally did. I wasn't aware of the fact that people were having a tough time. And when I look back, I could see, yes, a lot of guys still had their hand back on their mm-hmm. hip. I never corrected it because it was there were too many other things to correct. Mm-hmm. So I just didn't catch one thing. And and here were people that I was trying to make, you know, in, into into what we do. And they had these bad habits that they had started from the beginning. And they just couldn't get out of it. And then that's what I realized. We have to stop doing this. Yeah, that's... And that's what I told Vic. I said, from now on. Whenever a new student comes in, forget the horse completely. And and from then on, I said, we get into the neutral bowl immediately. Mm-hmm. Immediately. And that's where you start from. And that's where, you, that's where you're going to fight from. That's where you start from. There you go. And and from then on, we did that. But uh, even at first, I mean, Vic was very opposed to it because that's the way he learned. And he didn't have any problem with it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people didn't. But I don't care if only one person does. But then you get a, a, a significant population part that does, and then you know, then you got a problem. Even if it isn't significant, if it's only a, a, a few poor people that can't get it, why did you start that way when you right. didn't have to? Well, all right, it, it, it's it's like, oh God, there are so many other things you know that, that you learn through trial and error. Mm-hmm. The short outward block. I mean, it's completely useless. It's worthless. Yeah, but it's being it's- taught, deceiving by people in schools mm-hmm. who are charging money. To teach somebody something that's absolutely and totally useless, worthless, and as a matter of fact, dangerous to themselves. Agreed. Yep. Uh, I got a question that came up that I thought of while you were, uh, that last point you were making. Um, Calling a spade a spade, this year is going to be 60 years in the art, right? 
Or, yeah. I'm sorry, no, it's 59 Actually, in February. So it'll be 60 years next February. Next, this coming February will be 60 years. So right. I'm in my 60th year, but I haven't completed it until next February. Right, okay. So, but that's still, you know, 57-ish years of teaching at this point. Right. Because you started teaching when you were still a brown belt, right? Yep. Okay. Yep. How have you never managed to get bored teaching the basics? Because that's usually everybody's excuse, right? I can't teach the basics anymore. I'm bored of teaching the basics. How do I, you know, how be- have you never managed to get because bored? Because that's, that's when you see the greatest advancements. That's when you see the light bulb go on. That's when you see them go from, from crawling to standing to walking to running to kicking to punching. I mean, that, and it's all there mm-hmm. in, in those, those half a dozen things that we do. I wish I had a camera on you because your eyes just lit up talking about that. <laughs> <laughs> it's, and it's true. And, you know, if you never got beyond the basics, all right, the story that I heard today, one of my, uh, one of my guys was telling me that uh, he's, he, he has this uh, – Lady that he's known for like forever from his extended family, and uh, she's a clinical psychiatrist. She works at a uh, mental a prison for the mentally insane. Up mental health facility. Yeah, and um, some somehow an inmate got into the wrong area and he attacked her, and all he had ever had time to do was to teach her the basics, and she punched him right square in the face and knocked him on his ass, and by that nice. time there was other people in there, but I mean he never got a chance to grab her, he never got a chance to control her. Soon, but it, but he says I never got a chance to get much further than teaching her how to block, punch, kick, and uh, various hand weapons. Mm-hmm. But he says she just doubled her fist and she's a nice, absolutely straight punch in the face, and the guy went down. That's beautiful. Yeah. So here was somebody with nothing more, nothing more than the basics. So that's yeah, maybe yellow or orange belt level. Yeah. That's awesome. That right, yellow or orange belt level. Yellow belt, orange belt, because we weren't teaching yellow at the time. Yeah. But that's when you learned your basics. And we are teaching the, the yellow belt now mm-hmm. as a uh, as mandatory. And it's because so many of the schools have uh, have been doing it. And they, and they tell us that it's just, it works out a whole lot better for the student. And we're like, great, wonderful. Yeah. We'll and, do that. I mean, that, that's a testament to everything that happens with the IKC. It's always, you know, hey, we got this idea. And then we talk about it and go, yeah, that's what we're doing. Absolutely. It's, it's Absolutely. Awesome. Yeah, if you can't change with the times, or when somebody comes along with a better idea, something's wrong, drastically. And you know, I mean, to some point, that's that was kind of the situation Mr. Parker found himself in. You know, in the late '80s, and, you know, that story that we've we've heard floating around so many times. You know, he goes to a test, and the only thing he recognizes is the name of the techniques. Yeah. You know, I think we talked about that last podcast, but right. Yeah. Well, um, that that happens with uh, the generations, and each generation going further. <laughs> he didn't have what we had video. Right. He just, it wasn't there. It didn't, it didn't exist. He didn't have it. Uh, and he lost track of the black belts as soon as they left. And mm-hmm. then he, he never never saw the ones that they created and the ones that they created and the ones that they created. Right. And by three or four generations, that's it. It was gone. Right. The system was gone. Well, the benefit for the IKCA is you never have to worry about that. Mm-hmm. Everything goes through headquarters once you get past Brown. So That's right. Game on. Everybody, that's, boy, what, what he would have given to have been able to, to see, correct, and either promote or not promote every single black belt that had come through the system, mm-hmm. his system. Oh, my God. Of course, that would have taken all of his time. Yeah. Because his system was obviously much bigger than ours. I mean, he was, you know, with the people he had and so on, mm-hmm. all over the world over, uh, that would have been a, a, a totally you almost need full-time, a full-time job. Yeah, full-time staff just to do that. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So that, that would have been a logistical nightmare. It would have. Yeah, it would have. So, you know, 
Okay, so taking back, we kind of jumped off of uh, the Hawthorne yeah, we School. We're going to go back into it. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, that's the first school that, uh, as far as I'm aware, just from doing you know my my Googling, my you know, Google foo. Right. Uh, that's the first school where we actually had video cameras show up to, you know, other than the one film you you did with Mr. Parker. But there's there's video out there from the Hawthorne School. You know, specifically, I know there's a video from your seventh promotion, and there's some video of you sparring with various people and right. uh, Steve Sanders and. Uh, I think even Robert Temple's on there again yep. in a couple Robert places. Robert Temple and, and uh, John Conway Jr. did a, yeah. did a, did a, a terrific impromptu match. Yeah, they're, just, they're just messing around. You see other people fighting, you know, fighting behind them mm-hmm. and just going going at it. And uh, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, video came along, and actually Ed Parker and I went uh, partners on a uh, on a video outfit. There was a uh, Sony CV2000. Why can't why can't I remember stuff like that? CV2000. Who cares? <laughs> How much did it cost? Maybe that's why. Um, actually, at the time, it was like something like fifteen hundred bucks. It's a lot of money. Wait a minute, and and that was when? That was it was in the uh, in the sixties. Oh my god! It was it was the first commercial video, and it was uh, it was two pieces. One was a walnut cabinet about. 24 by 18 by 16 high. It had two parts that the, the, the lid lifted up and, and a nine inch black and white monitor popped up. Oh, and the other geez. side was a reel to reel one hour tape that you had to thread through. And it had a forward and a reverse and a fast forward and a fast reverse. I'm sorry, it had a forward, had a fa- forward for record mm-hmm. and a fast forward and a reverse at a, at a digital counter. So you can see where you're I'm on sorry, the not digital. I'm uh, analog. Yeah, analog, analog re, re, uh, wow. uh, numbers that came up to tell you how many feet you were. <laughs> and it was usually off by about four feet anyway. So that was worthless. That was completely <laughs> worthless. And, and the, tapes, the tapes cost 75 bucks a piece. I'm trying, I'm trying to do the math, bit, you know, adjusted for inflation and whatnot. I mean, was, in the 60s, didn't houses sell for like 30 grand? No, 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 no. Like, like maybe, maybe about three grand. For a house? No, no, oh, houses you talk. I'm talking about the, the unit. Yeah, no. Uh, oh no, in the '60s. Uh, let's see, we paid fifteen uh, five for our first house, and that was in around. around so the video outlet, the video piece was one tenth of what you paid for the house. Yeah. Holy crap. Yeah, it was a lot of money. Yeah, that, that puts that in perspective. Wow. And like I say, the uh, <clears throat> the taste was seventy five bucks a piece. Yeah, that's all. Well, that, there's that's like know. about four hundred dollars or something <laughs> yeah. like that today. Four, four fifty, something. So Jeez. we we used it over and over and over until they finally, you know, it kept breaking and so on. Until <laughs> so we, we finally retired it and we bought a new one, bit the dust and we bought a new one. And um, I remember at the at the end of the at the of the partnership, uh, because business had just declined and limping along so badly. We were gonna start. I could tell we we're gonna start having to dip into our pockets to pay the rent. Mm-hmm. And and I said, you know, I said as soon as this thing is a loser, we we, we have to get we have to get out of it. And and we did. And uh, I remember that Ed had had one more draw that I had, and so uh, we agreed that I take the video recorder. Mm. So I kept the video recorder. Nice. And uh, and I finally sold it to the manager of Art Laveau's Club on uh, on Sunset Boulevard, <laughs> the one that used to be the old Ciro's. That's yeah. That's going back way before my way, era. Oh, way before your time. Yeah, it was, it was a big Hollywood I- iconic nightclub, and it was built as a nightclub. Mm-hmm. This it wasn't a building that they put a nightclub. In. It was built as one, and I knew the manager. He was one of my one of my brown belts, and uh, it was funny because he says the cashier is stealing from us. I said, "Why don't you fire her?" He said, "Well, she's the owner. She's the owner's sister." <laughs> so 
<laughs> so we went in one night after closing, two in the morning or whatever, and we drilled a hole, and, and these the lens was about like four inches across. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this was a lens that was, I'm talking diameter, you know. And, and so I said, she's going to see that. And he's, oh, my God. He said, she'll see that in a minute. Because right over her shoulder. But it was under a staircase, and they had they put in shelves, and they had liquor stored in there. And I said, well, we'll drill holes in a pattern and tell her we mm. need, an area, need to be aerated. So he's, and then we put bottles up against it. You couldn't tell a bottle from the lens. So we, we, we disguised it that way. Camouflage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And the first night he used it, uh, he uh, he said after they closed up, he came and he, he, showed, he said, I want to show you something. And she got so pissed off, she quit. Nice. Yeah, nice. That, didn't that, have that to fire way, her. That way her brother <laughs> didn't have to fire her. Yep. <laughs> and, and Ronnie kept telling him, she's stealing art, she's stealing it. And Art was like, no, no, not my sister. He says, I know how much a bottle of booze brings in. He says, I know. And he says, she's been seen stuffing money in her stocking mm-hmm. <laughs> by the waitresses. Anyway, let's do it here to there. But it was, <laughs> it was a good story. Yeah, it was a good story. It was it was an interesting way to because uh, I had by that time I had no use for it. What was funny though, because years later, uh, Tom Bleeker was married to Linda Lee, mm-hmm. Bruce Lee's widow, and he said, "You know, Bruce has got this this old recorder." I said, "You're kidding," and and he says, "No, it's ta- it's reel to reel." And I said, "You're kidding," because wow. I had some tapes. I still got them, mm-hmm. and I said, "But I have nothing to play them on." Right. Well, this was like years later. Bruce is already gone. Well, obviously, you know, Tom was married to his widow, and uh, and he brought it over, and sure enough, he played my tapes. And those days, those machines were so unstable that even if you had the same machine, it might not play a machine. The tapes played on one machine on the other. That's just crazy. Yeah, but then, but these did, and I was able to see some of these old tapes. That's awesome that we had, but uh, you, there was no way to transfer them. Mm-hmm. Or do anything with them. You know? Yeah, now there's actually companies that specialize in that, but they charge an arm and a leg for it. But, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, the, the stuff I have on there, I wouldn't care about anyway. So. Yeah. But, <laughs> but that was, yeah. <laughs> okay, so segue. Let's, <laughs> I love this, the mini story. Again. We're going we're to come back to Hawthorne. <laughs> Again, yeah. <laughs> so around Hawthorne Boulevard, 1980s. And that went on, Vic went on over there until about 85 or so. Now, there were, how many, you were, what? Um, shoot, I had the number and I just lost it. There were there was a certain number of black belts that came out of the Crenshaw School, and then how many of them? Your ballpark number? Do you remember how many of them came out of the Hawthorne School? If I'm not mistaken, it was just one, Eddie really? Ramos. Wow, Eddie okay. Ramos, I believe was the only black belt we had come out of the Hawthorne School. Okay, in the few years that we're there, uh, he started as a kid. Now Hugo Rojas has become a black belt since then. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was, there was a, a few of. You saw some of the students from that point. Yeah, but he was yeah. the only black belt that came out. Right, but but okay. they didn't. They weren't at the time. They they were subsequent to that. Right, and uh, yeah, so they, they we they came out of there at that time. Um, on Crenshaw Boulevard, there was fifteen. That's right. We had fifteen black belts come out of that school, but again, it was. They all came up together. They all stuck together. In fact, we got uh, Chuck Boyd, who's just popped his his, mm-hmm. his lovely face in here a few minutes ago, and uh, and Stacy Picasha, our two. Stacy was our our first black belt, mm-hmm. and uh, then he went away for forty years and became a cop and a chief and a this and a that and a lawyer and everything else. And then when he retired, he came back and boy, I gotta tell you, he threw himself into this like nothing you've ever seen. That's awesome. And having been there for the number of years that he was. He, he picked it up like it was yesterday. Yeah, there's a video out on our the uh, IKCA website about that, too. Yeah. He, uh, back after 41 years. 41 years. Yep. Hadn't, hadn't put on a gi in 41 years. Oh, he did. He did. He put on a gi one time, came down to the Hawthorne School, and was going to get back, but he just he couldn't. He just couldn't. He was he, he wanted to so badly, 
But being a chief of police and everything, yeah, I didn't forget have about it. There's, there's no way <laughs> in the luck. world you can carve two nights a week or even one night a week, one night a month out of your schedule to go do, you know, to play, play with the boys. Yeah. But anyhow, he, uh, uh, no, when, when he came back, boy, he was fierce. I mean, he just, he just wanted it. Mm-hmm. And, and he loved it. He fell in love with it immediately. Oh, my God, what you've done. Oh, my, this is great. This is this is wonderful. And he was the one that also kept showing us some of the deviations mm-hmm. that had happened between the tapes and now. Right. And we and he'd say, well, that's not how it is on the tape. I'd say, yes, it is. He'd say, no, it is. Yeah, no, it's not. <laughs> and then, then we'd have to get the tape. And I'd say, I'll be damned. I forgot. Jeez. Yeah, it had so changed so subtly over the years. I mean, the whole technique hadn't changed, but certain elements had. Yeah. And and I was like, wow, okay, and that's what we're doing. What we're doing now. Mm-hmm. So then that let us let's let that move that forward then from the Hawthorne Boulevard School into the IKCA days. So right, uh, I think we talked about it before, where it, it basically was a two year process prior to actually launching, of deciding what you wanted to teach and, and what material was going to go where. Right? right. So then moving that forward. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute. In the very beginning, Vic kept coming to me and saying, "We got to we got to make videos." And I said, "Why?" He's because everybody's making videos. I said, ask me if I care. <laughs> what do I care about everybody's, what everybody's doing? And I said, forget about it. Uh, it you know, it, it's it's not viable. It's, forget it. No, we got to do it. We got to do it. We got to do it. And and then all of a sudden, uh, one night, I was standing right out my entryway there, and, and he's at me again. got to make videos. And, and I, I said, you know, I thought I remembered something. I said, this is, this is kind of interesting. I said, I had a student come to me one night. This was when Chuck Norris was first getting started. Mm-hmm. And and he, he really, uh, there was there was a point when he first got started where he was he was struggling. I mean, mm-hmm. with, with, with his own, with himself and his own art. And and then all of a sudden he got it. And when, once he got it, man, he just, he just went, you know, he went wild with it. Mm-hmm. But in the beginning, he, he was, uh, he was not doing too well. <clears throat> and, uh, and, one of the guys said to me, he says, uh, hey, I went to the, to the tournament over the weekend. You'll never, get, you'll never guess who won it. Who? It's Chuck Norris. <laughs> what do you think? I said, well, yeah, I'm not surprised at all. Said, really? Last time we saw him, he wasn't that good. I said, well, that was the last time we saw him. I said, the guy's a comer. I said, you could tell it. How long was the time gap between us? Not that long. Oh, not that long. Months. Really, months. But he was doing it full time. So well, He was doing it full time, right. Yeah. And, and maybe I caught him on a bad night. Or something because we sparred and uh, and the consensus was that he, he didn't do well mm-hmm. and and uh, I was at the top of my game and I'm glad I didn't meet him a year later <laughs> because <laughs> I was up and he was out. he was down. It's just one of those nights. Anyhow, so but when when he said that I and he says oh he says here's what you'll get a kick out of he says uh, he he needed or wanted another degree on his belt so he sent an 8 millimeter film over to his instructors in Korea to get it ha 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 what do you think about that i said immediately it's a great idea mm-hmm. he said really you'd go for that and i said well why not i said first of all chuck is he's an honorable dude man mm-hmm. he's not going to try and snow him and you can't with eight millimeter anyhow. Mm-hmm. There's no such thing as CGI with eight millimeter <laughs> film. So you you get what you got, and that's all you have. So I said, if he if they asked him to see a certain thing and he showed it to them, I said, what could possibly be wrong about that? And what's the difference if if you tell him this is what I want you to do? What's the difference between looking at a video and seeing him in person? None. 
None. And this was eight millimeter. Yeah, I mean, as long but as he, it's, even, as long as it's video, you can actually exactly. See it, you know? As long as he, he t- they tell him what he want, what they want, and he shows it to him. I said, and Ill, he could ill afford a trip to Korea in those days. Mm-hmm. He didn't have two nickels to rub together. So I said, I said, I think it's a brilliant idea, and that's what I said to Vic. I said, you know what? I said, I think we can teach by video. I said, now we got video, and video was still in its infancy. Mm-hmm. In fact, they were they were still trying to decide was it going to be VHS or was it going to be Beta. Right. Nobody really knew, and there was, there was even a couple more after that. Yeah, Super VHS. And, yeah. Uh, I there was a double stack good. one. Yeah. And, I mean, there was there. Was, we really didn't know. And, but I told Vic, I said, you know what? I said the way it's going, I said there's going to be a time when video is going to be so common, mm-hmm. and here we are today with an iPhone. Oh my God. Yeah. It's fantastic. <laughs> but I mean, even in those days, I said, you know, I said even today, I said a kid in the ghetto or a kid on a farm, any place in the United States, if they want to bad enough, they will get somebody. A school, a company, uh, uh, somebody, or last resort, they'll rent an outfit for a day, mm-hmm. and they can video their tests. Mm-hmm. Now, if we show them exactly what we want to see, exactly what we want to see, mm-hmm. and how we want to see it done, and they give it to us, now we're teaching. Right, now we can actually have that communication back and forth. That's right, because now we can show, we can see exactly what they did wrong. We can write it on a piece of paper. We can use that piece of paper and stick it up there and tell them, all right, Joe... Here's what you did right now. Your blocks are going at 90 degrees. We do them at 45. Now it's difficult to see 90 from 45 straight ahead, so I'll turn to the side. Now you can see 90 to 45 real easy. Mm-hmm. You get it? You got it? Here's where they belong. Here's what you're doing. Here's where they belong. All right, and then your kicks, you're, you're dropping your kicks. You got to recock your kicks. Mm-hmm. You're this and that. So you, you correct them. You send that tape back to them. Mm-hmm. Then they yeah. send the tape back to you, and this stuff is corrected. Yep. Say, all right, you're, you're an orange belt. Yeah, the only limitation you have is how fast can you get that communication back That's and right. forth. That's right. Now, in the infancy days, VHS and the mail, you're subject to the mail. Now we got digital. You can do it, you know, tomorrow if need be. That's right. Or today if need be, you know. Yep. So. Yep. If you if you had to, you could get on there on Facetime and do it live. Yeah. <laughs> no, it, it, you it, could do you could do lessons live. Mm-hmm. But anyhow, in those days, so but I thought you know what, once you have communication, total communication. Now you now you're rocking and rolling. Mm-hmm. Now you now you really got something, and that's what we had. And people have tried to replicate it, but it's too labor uh, intensive. It's yeah, it's a demanding process to teach. Yes, by it video. is. Yes, it's, it is. Uh, well, it's a lot more involved than people think it is. Who know better than you? <laughs> uh, we, you guys, because you we, did it first. Yeah, but we, we only know as well. But no, but it is, and uh, but it works. It does. That's 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 the bottom line. And it, it works. It takes the commitment on both ends. Right. Now they tried it with uh, with the jujitsu stuff, but unfortunately, jujitsu is all sensitivity, mm-hmm. and the only place your instructor should be is on top of you. Yeah, it's it's really really, really tough to do re- any it, grappling art that way, right? And I don't care if it's jujitsu, aikido, you know, whatever, right? Even sambo, yeah, you know, Greco Roman wrestling, it doesn't matter. It's, that's it's, right. Any grappling art is so you contact know, you, sensitive. It's you, really you gotta hard. have. It's gotta have contact. Yeah, with us you don't. You can show it, mm-hmm. and you can see it, and we can see what they, when they freestyle. We can we can critique it. Mm-hmm. And we can give them tips and so on. And then we see it again, and we and we know that they got it, or that they didn't get it. Mm-hmm. And we all right, <laughs> you still haven't got it. No, here's here's what you got to do. And you keep it going, the process going until they got it. Yeah, there's there's a couple of people out there that uh, um, we've had to tell them that you know the, the test is not up to where we need it to be yet, and that is my least favorite message that I have to deliver as an instructor. I don't care if that's via video or in person. But in my personal opinion, I think it's the most valuable. It is. Because you pass somebody that's not really ready or doesn't uh, really deserve it. That doesn't it. do them any good. No. It certainly doesn't do the system any good. It does nobody any good. 
I'll give you a, a, a good <laughs> this used to happen quite a lot in the beginning. Not so much anymore. In fact, practically never. But in the beginning, there would be guys that were highly trained and they wanted to, uh, you know, switch over. They wanted to, to learn our system. And they would buy the, the first video and they would take the test. They'd send it in and we'd tell them, sorry, sorry, bud. You didn't make it at all. Here's what you're doing. And some of them get so pissed off, they throw it in a drawer and never look at it again. Mm-hmm. Until maybe a few years later. Then we actually got letters like this. I, I took the uh, the critique out of the, out of the drawer and I put it by machine. He said, I was so mad at the time. <laughs> he said, but I looked at it again and he says, You're right. Guess what? You were right <laughs> on everything you said. Can I come back, please? That's awesome. Yeah, it really is. It really is. They said, you don't know. No, the, my ego got in the way and I was like, how dare you? I'm a black belt. You, 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 I can't pass an orange belt test. Are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. No, we ain't kidding you, bud. <laughs> yeah, even <laughs> even now our failure rate on orange is still almost fifty percent. Oh, oh, I know. So yeah, it, you know, it, no, orange belt is. There's so much. There's so much uh, information on that tape. Did I ever tell you this story about our first black belt that came through the Karate Connection? I believe you told me privately. I don't know if we said it on air. So say it on air. Why not? Well, this is funny because he had gotten sick. And he had the tapes, and he was coming to the classes also. Mm-hmm. So he was really accelerating. Best of both worlds. The best. And, and he said, I got so sick, he's like, I was had the flu. He said, I couldn't get out of bed. He says, but at least I could watch TV. So he said, like, put your tape in. He said, I watched the Orange Bell tape over and over and over again. He said, I got to the point where I was lip syncing. as you go. <laughs> he said, I could tell you what you're going to say before you. And he said, all of a sudden, one night, as I'm watching it, I said, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. So I had to back it up. He said, I looked at it again. He says, I never heard that before. I didn't see that before. What? How could I not have? I could, my God, I've seen this thing so many times. I remember it. How could I not? He said, I finally figured it out. You dirty dogs. He said, you were coming to my room at night and putting stuff on that tape that wasn't there the day before. <laughs> he said, because that's the only way it could have gone. No, he said, but there is so much information on that Orange Bell tape that it's, it's practically a course in itself. Well, it is. That's why it's Orange Bell. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's uh, it's the beginning, and uh, boy, I mean that's that is a uh, it's it's a hard beginning, but it really is. Well, not as hard anymore because now we have yellow. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yellow is a little easier, and somebody you know they say, well, what's you know, black belt's the hardest belt to get?" I said, "No, hell no. The hardest belt to get is your first one. Yeah, it's, that's whether the it's yellow or whether it's orange, it's your first belt because without that, there are no others. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you you just can't skip by that, and that's what some of these guys tried to do, and I and I kept trying to impress upon them. The fact that they should be watching for the differences, not for the similarities. Because they'd watch mm-hmm. somebody and say, oh, we do that. No, 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 you didn't. Yeah, it's just, it's similar, but it's just different That's enough, right. and that matters. It's just different enough, and, and it's the differences that matter, Yep. right? Absolutely. Yep, they're, they're, it's neutral bow would be too wide, mm-hmm. or they'd be too high, and they just they just couldn't get it. Mm-hmm. They just couldn't get it narrower and lower. Not too narrow. Now you're walking the tightrope. Tohil alignment, the yep. relationship. I mean, you know, all these things, they all matter. Every single one of them. Yep. Yeah. Uh, the you just you told the story about the guy who was, who was watching the videos, and uh, th- this is something really poignant. I'm not going to say his name on air just because it's you know, um, but I have a, a buddy of mine who had studied with me previously, you know, several years ago, and then he took a break for a while, and now he's back, and I gave him the updated videos, you know, the online link for him, because Orange is going to be his next level. And he looked at it and he goes, "Dude, I got to tell you something." I'm like, "Okay, you know what?" And he goes, um, "I've watched that video probably twenty times in the last three days, and 
I got to tell you, the first time I watched it, you know, back in you know early two thousands, I looked at it and I went, eh, it's that's that's the same thing I'm doing over here. You know, I can I can work my way through it. I looked at it again, and there is so much information on those videos; it is freaking ridiculous. Yeah, you probably should have made that two or three videos. Really. I mean, realistically speaking, you probably could have. Yeah, but well, see, that's the one thing I didn't want to do because that's what everybody else was doing. They were they were selling you a tape on blocking, selling you a tape on punching, another mm-hmm. tape on on kicking, another tape on grappling. I mean, releases and 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 breaks and holds. You know, they were selling you a tape on everything. And I said, I don't like that idea at all. And we tried to make ours as 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 uh, cost effective as we possibly could. Mm-hmm. So I said, we're going to do it the way we the way we teach, a belt level at a time. Mm-hmm. Only, only this had a syllabus. This, this, this was something you could look at and you could, like, well, we started talking about the two years that it took us to do it. You know, why did it take us two years to do it? Because we'd get to so far in a, in a particular technique and it would fall apart, and we'd have to either create an ending for it, or or, uh, or re- reconfigure things to the point where it made sense. And even then, a lot of times, we got to the point where it was, you know, some of the techniques. Um, I'm not crazy about them. Mm-hmm. But but then there's some that I wasn't crazy about that now I am because the adjustments have been made over the years. Other people, not us, have come along and said, how about this instead of that? And in many cases, you look at it and say, no, no. And all of a sudden, you go, whoa, wait a minute. Yeah, was that again? Let's see that again. Oh, my, that's great. I love that. Why didn't we think of that? Well, we didn't think of it. That's all. We were, our, our brains were somewhere else at the time. Well, I mean, when you're working on putting together an entire, you know, course, entire, you know, syllabus full of material, how much time do you spend on each individual piece? Even that's in right. two years, that's still, you're you're so involved in the process that sometimes it's very hard to see the forest for the trees. That's right. a macro vision. Yep. So, you know, you'll find yep. stuff later. It is what it is. Yeah. But yeah. to your both of your credit, <laughs> the fact is that you're still willing to look at stuff like that. And develop, you know, if somebody oh, comes up with an idea, we look at it, develop it. Okay, can we make it better? That's right. Let's do it. That's right. So, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm not against changing anything, uh, but there's got to be, you know, some real good reasons. Yeah. Well, I mean, you got to show. You, they have to show that they understand the original first. Right. Not just, you know, you're not just dismissing it out of hand. And right. then, okay, why is this really better? That's right. And then we'll look at it. Look so, at it. Yeah. That's the way it should be. You know. Yep. Uh, so you just mentioned the idea of some of the techniques that you used to like and now don't like as much or some of the ones that you used to hate and now you like. People studying through, there's a lot of times when I'll talk to somebody in the distance program, they're like, I hate this technique. And I go, beheading the dragon is a great example personally. You know, that's my favorite orange belt technique that's not an orange belt technique. Yeah. You know, that thing should no. be in green or yeah, blue, right, but right. where you're going to shoehorn it at the time, right? Right. Well, at the time that we did it, uh, we'd been doing it for so long and doing things of that nature for so long, it wasn't difficult for us. Right. For, so for we, beginner, didn't, we just, didn't think of it as being difficult. Right. And people came along and said, oh, my God, that's so hard. Well, yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. But then <laughs> when, they, when they get advanced further on, they're like, oh, my God, I love beheading the dragon. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, everybody's favorite technique is five, five swords, swords derivatives. Five swords or derivative, right. And and even the original five swords. Um, looking at, now, originally, the the one that comes up into the solar plexus was fingers, the tips yeah, of the your fingers. Hand. Yeah. Now, I don't know about you, but I can't do that. I mean, my fingers will not will not take that kind mm-hmm. of a shot. So then it became a half fist. Mm-hmm. Didn't like that even. Then it became <laughs> a full fist, and it was just driving up into the. So it, that changed gradually, mm-hmm. but it, it it changed. The other thing is, <clears throat> the second shot is is a heel palm thrusting. 
that that sends your opponent away from you. Yeah, now he's six feet away. That's right. Now you either got to run to catch up with him, come back, or you got to be real <laughs> fast in order to get that third shot in, and nobody's that fast. So you know the the technique itself, while it looks wonderful when somebody is actually dummying for you, mm-hmm. and uh, and well, acting so to speak, mm-hmm. and and reacting to blows, but not reacting to other blows, it's not realistic. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I just don't care for that. So we changed it into a couple of things. Well, first of all, it was Carl Shalio. <clears throat> Big Carl come along, and he says, uh, you know, Chuck, instead of going down here, he said, what do you say we just go block, chop, heel palm, forearm, or sandwich, and then uh, and, and he, we, we called it, we couldn't call, call it the five count anymore, the five swords, so we called it Crenshaw High Five because everybody was doing high-fives at the time. And we, High Casey, yeah, Brown it was, it was on Crenshaw Boulevard that he came along with the idea, and we said, well, we'll do that. So that's a derivative of it, which I love very much. Mm-hmm. However, even that one, I don't like the sandwich near as much as the double brain splash with the, between the heel palm, splashes to the right, elbow takes the forearm. That's not an elbow, it's a forearm, takes it back to the left. That I love. Mm-hmm. So again, it's it's even evolved from there. Mm-hmm. We had a first evolution, then a second evolution. Yep. So that, that's one. And then, of course, using the, uh, the four knuckles, which is really not even in the, in the American Kempo system. Hmm. They don't hit the four knuckles at all in any technique I can ever think of. Hmm. I don't know the whole American Kempo system, right. so I'll take, well, I'll take that, your word for that's it. That's something we picked up. I picked up from uh, from Jimmy Woo. Hmm. It's about the only thing, but I liked it. I like that weapon. It's it's a very unforgiving weapon. Mm-hmm. If you hit the right target, were you sure? Oh, any, almost any target. Yeah, well, don't hit him in the forehead. But <laughs> Oh, no. Well, forehead to forehead is, and, and anything to the forehead, not, not a good idea. Heel palm, perhaps. Yeah. But uh, other than that, uh, no, anything else, though. Anyhow, uh, so, yeah, with our uh, Fist of Fury, uh, we, we use the four knuckles and the mac knuckles. Mm-hmm. And, and matter of fact, even that has evolved slightly. Mm-hmm. Because instead of one, two to the temple on the on the, his, his right side and then dropping it to the, uh, the punch up into the solar plexus and then coming back on the left side, <clears throat> one, two, and then a half into the throat to keep the whole thing on the head. Nice. So basically, almost literally another derivative for Crenshaw High Five at that That's point. That's right. So. That's right. Another derivative of Crenshaw High Five. Yeah. So Thanks, there's Carl. all kinds of ways you can play with it. <laughs> and and I like that one really a whole lot better. Yeah. It, it keeps it all so localized. And, and, and the elbow never gets that far away from you. Mm-hmm. And it's always right there. It's it's just see that's what happens. People drop it too far down, and then they got to come from down to up. Mm-hmm. This one, it's right there. Yeah, I mean, it's really taking timing patterns and looking at minimizing things. So yep. Yeah. And then of course, it's not just a flailing of arms. Mm-hmm. I mean, the entire body is is twisting and turning and all at the same yep. time, and that's what gives you your your ultimate power. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it, it's changed to a degree, and yet if you learn the original, it's still good. It's still good, but I I just like these these uh, modifications that we made, mm-hmm. and that's what we're doing with the uh, the modifications that you're you're inserting into these other, these other tapes, which is fantastic. And then we got the uh, same example for raking eight. Uh, you know, that, that was original one from Black Belt where you, you used to turn and then you wind up running into the arm. Yeah, come straight up first and yep. problem solved. Yep, yep. As a matter of fact, I like to put both arms up. That way he doesn't know which way you're going. <laughs> Cost you nothing. That's just being mean. <laughs> I kind of like it, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. I mean, he did choke you first, right? That's right. So I'm just saying. Yeah. That's right. Um, I was playing with Fernando here a little earlier, and I said, you know, I said, you still got your hands free. I just reached out and grabbed his package. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, ooh! <laughs> <laughs> Anybody's going to leave your hands free, come on. Yeah, why not? You know? <laughs> right. 
<laughs> I, I never understood the logic. Of, you know, some of well, let me rephrase that. Some of the some of the techniques in, in the systems are just like, I mean, who's going to come up and bear hug you with your arms free? It's like it, it's a weird premise. Yes. But then you have to look at it. It's not just about them bear hugging you. It's a prelude to them picking you up and dumping you if you don't do anything about it. That's right. That's right. And and it could be during a, during an actual comment, not just coming up. I mean, it could happen during something. Yeah. But if you never clapped anybody in the ears before. Mm-hmm. I had a, uh, I was just talking to Willie Aguilar the other night when we were doing the promotion for uh, for Archie. And um, and he was telling me about a grappler. Mm-hmm. And he said that uh, the guy kept egging him on, egging him on, egging him on, until he finally said, all right, fine, show me what you, you know. And the guy went to shoot on him, and he just clapped him out the ears, and he dropped him. And the guy <laughs> says, you can't do that. He said, I think I just did. Yeah, Which, you can't do that, but, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah okay. Let me rethink this. <laughs> yeah, I had a, something similar. Not quite, but something similar years ago, years and years ago. It was a kid as a college wrestler. And and he said, well, you know, if somebody got a real good headlock on you, what would you do? And I said, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Really. I mean, I know what we do. And I tried what we do, but the kid was, was more knowledgeable. Mm. So he, he covered up that. And he, he was practically squatting down. And I'm almost kneeling. Had him by the hair. Had his, had his head back. But I really couldn't punch him. He couldn't do much of anything. And... Um, he really put it on me. Mm-hmm. And I mean, and the kid, he knew what he's doing. He was very, very good. And finally I said, uh, I tapped on. I said, oh, you got me. Mm-hmm. And I stood up, shook it off. And I said, but it, I'll tell you what. I said, do it again. And so he comes at me and I, I put a back fist right between his eyes. Didn't hit him. But I mean, he, he saw that. Anyway, he kind of went back. And I said, well, come on, do it again. And then I, I you know, I, I did a few things. I, I freestyle him, but I doing our kind of freestyle mm-hmm. but he was not gonna be gonna any and he finally looks at me he says but i can't i said aha all right line up <laughs> nice but i can't of course you can't when i let you do it when i allowed you to do it it was easy it was simple but now when you when we're, when we're actually in a, in a more combative situation yeah you're not gonna he get just couldn't that, get near me that same way because yeah. i was gonna take his nose off and stick it in his ear okay Let's see. So we've went through the original era in the first podcast. We came basically from 65 through early 80s into the formations of the IKCA. So the IKCA has now been operating since 1990-ish officially. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's 28 years. Yep. I believe the number is 12 now have reached the Grandmaster status. Yeah. And I believe there's several more in the pipeline for the next couple of years, too. There's several people at ninth now. There are people. Yeah, absolutely. We got them coming. So, you know, and uh, I love it. I love it. It's like, to me, it's like generals in the army. You got all kinds of generals in the army. Mm-hmm. Well, you know? well, actually, the military now has a, has a statutory limit on how many can be in position, but that's, that's un, you know, that's a little different. So, uh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. They're, they're getting paid for what they do. Yeah. <laughs> also, in the last couple of years now, we've had a, another, it's not officially part of the ikca but the original founders are ikca members it's the saw group so it says the society of ancient warriors right yeah well, that's a totally different totally different thing yep. all we're doing there is is uh uh acknowledging black belts from the parker lineage uh they can be black belts from other systems and other styles and even other arts as long as they've been a black belt for 15 years but they are also a parker lineage black belt Mm-hmm. And give me over forty years old, and um, that's and it. At least fifteen years a black belt in some art. Okay, 
Yeah. So and, does that and all we're doing is saying thank you for being here and and, and welcome to the society, and we not teach when there are no. There's no requirements as far as physical or anything like that. It's basically just like a fraternal order. Type that's thing, all. Right? That's what it is, and, it, and it's 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 great. It's it's fun. Okay, so uh, with that, you said Parker lineage. So does that mean any evolution of Ed Parker's teaching then? Yeah, yeah, okay. it has to be because that was a question I saw somewhere on one of the. I think it was on one of the Facebook pages. It was like, so I mean, how far back can you go as long as you can trace it back to Ed Parker? As long as long as the guy that promoted you was promoted by a guy who was promoted by a guy who was promoted by a guy who was promoted by Ed Parker, or there cool. could be a few more guys in there. Yeah, and and do we know it's going to be totally different? Of course we do, but that's not the point. We had to, we had to, we didn't just want to throw it open to everybody, mm-hmm. all arts, all styles. We don't know anything about those those mm-hmm. people, Taekwondo, Tang Sudo. Shituru, Goyuru. Mm-hmm. I don't know anything about those styles. So, but as long as they also have some lineage to Ed Parker in there, yes, we're good. Yes, they gotta have. They gotta be at least a first degree at Ed Parker, but they gotta have 15 years as a black belt. Mm-hmm. So, if they got a black belt in Chitoru, just for the sake of argument, in 2000, and then they get a first degree black belt in Ed Parker's, you know, some lineage in, under Ed Parker somewhere in 2012, yeah, it's perfectly fine. That's right. They just gotta run their, you know, run their time limit, be 40 years old, and have That's a black belt in Ed Parker somewhere. That's right. Cool. Yep. But now you've got seminars all over the place that are saw branded now, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. We're uh, yeah, we've we've done them. Uh, Where was the first one? Um, Ireland. So you had I- Dublin, Dublin. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And then we did it on the East Coast. Uh, we did it for Dave Gigli. I don't know. We're going to go do uh, do one in uh, in Arlberg, Denmark. <laughs> well, Klaus kept saying, "When are you guys coming to Arlberg? You're coming to Denmark." So well, when do you want us? You come? I said, yeah, we'll come. Good. So we're coming this year. Nice. Next month. And then next year is Hawaii, right? No, next year is uh, is um, Australia, uh, Adelaide, Australia, and, and and Sydney. I mean, we're, we're, I'm sure we'll go up to Sydney and, and do something. Gary Palmer came and stayed with us mm-hmm. for a week, and it was a fantastic time we had. And uh, we're gonna go. He's got a great school. We'll go over there and. At least do something at his school. Mm-hmm. I think Anthony's going to throw a bigger thing, trying to get people from everywhere. But I'm sure Gary will be at that too. But maybe mm-hmm. we'll go do something at his school afterwards, and then Hawaii. There you go. You go back to the roots. <laughs> yeah, back to the roots. And I have no idea. I think we're, we're going to do it on the Big Island. Okay. Yeah. Do we have a school out there now, or is it? No. We're no. going to figure it out later. <laughs> right. Uh, right. Uh, no, it doesn't make any difference. We'll you know find some place to do it. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, there's a uh, we've got a guy over there that that was with us years ago, and uh, he had an interesting interesting life. He was a, a sniper. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, I can understand why the term interesting applies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyway, he uh, had some pretty interesting stories, but um, I don't have any idea what he's doing now. I can I can look him up and and uh, find out if. I'm sure he'll be there if, if he knows mm-hmm. it, that we're going to be there. Yeah, probably but a good idea on, to do that. He's on the, the main island. He's on Oahu. Mm. We're going to do it on the island of Hawaii. Okay. Just more to do is bigger island. And, you know, Honolulu is, you might as well be in Santa Monica. Mm. Really. Honolulu. Other than the historical significance pieces we have. Yeah. And you can only see those so many times, so. Right. Yeah. But uh, but it's a city like, you know, it's, it's in Hawaii, but it's not a big city. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we're wrapping things towards a, the ending here. Um, went and literally, we covered the whole piece that we didn't get a chance to cover on the last show. So um, the future looks like seminars all over the place. We've got now some other, uh, some of the other IKCM members are now throwing their own seminars, which is awesome. Right. I mean, right. that, that right. I think Absolutely. is fantastic. You know. Yeah. AC. Yeah, and V. 
uh, and uh, and V on the East Coast. Yeah, yeah, beautiful. I love it. And if we can, in fact, as a matter of fact, if, if they had told us about it early enough, uh, I might have been able to go there first and then go yeah. to Denmark. Right. But the way it stands, we, we're just going to be able to make it to Denmark. I think he's uh, looking at trying to make that a, a recurring seminar on East Coast, too, which would be great. It would be great, so. yeah. Uh, there's a bunch of people clamoring for a West Coast seminar again, so yeah, we'll, well see what happens. Uh, we've, we're, we're talking about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brian Antak and uh, and James Parsons, and we'll see what uh, see what we can come up with. And if it if it looks like fun, I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, tell me when to be there. You guys take care of all the work. You know, at this point, you right. earned it. <laughs> right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We'll have to figure out exactly. Uh, well, they'll have to figure out exactly what it is they're looking for. Mm-hmm. What then, they want to do. Yeah, that's all up to them at this point. So, yep. What words of wisdom would you like to leave us with to close out this podcast? You know, I <laughs> people have asked me how long are you can keep doing this. I'm 86 now, and uh, and still doing it, and still enjoying the hell out of it. So, I would say, with myself anyway, uh, when it's no longer any fun, I'm out. But it's still fun. I'm having a great time with it, and and it it keeps you you know physically in better shape. I'm sure than sitting on the thing watching the telly. I'm sure. So, um, in fact, we uh, because of dinner with Chuck and and what we do on Monday nights and we the, the dinner itself. Lainey makes us great dinners. You guys are in for a treat tonight. She's putting on her her spaghetti dinner. I, oh, looking I, forward I, to it. Yeah, that was it was either that or Costco t- pizza and, and there's no comparison. It's about <laughs> a thousand times different. So I asked her if she'd make spaghetti tonight because it wasn't going to be as big a crowd as we thought it might be. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then by the time we do that and then we have dinner with Chuck, nobody really feels like going out there and, and, and thumping. <laughs> so <laughs> I told everybody, I told everybody uh, we got to get another night and we're, we're starting to get people together and it looks like it's going to be Wednesday night. Nice. So, uh, yeah, so we get out there and start thumping again. And uh, I just, I'm still in love with it as much as I always have been. As much as the first night I walked in there and I saw everybody standing in a, a puddle of their own sweat. I love it. Uh, it's been nothing but good for me and to me. And the, the friends and the relationships that I've gotten through, that I've had through this art, have been, you couldn't buy them. They're irreplaceable. That's, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm grateful that I got to come down here and uh, finish out this show uh, for this episode, at least, because uh, we kind of left everybody hanging halfway in the middle there. So Yeah, well, we did get to about the middle, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah that was a long show, too. So Yeah, it know. was. But uh, I think that's probably good for uh, finishing this episode of, the, of our Artist of Motion podcast, and we'll call it good there. Thank you so much once again. Thank you, Steve. All right, so that was our conversation with senior grandmaster of the international karate connection association chuck sullivan bringing us from uh, his history from 1965 up till about present day and looking towards some of the things in the future a lot of really cool things going on and uh, chuck is just a wonderful human being he spends a whole lot of his time helping out others and uh, he's uh, just been a great pillar in the kimpo community since the entire time i've known him and i know for <laughs> quite a lot of time before that so anyway Moving forward with this one, uh, next week's guest, we've got a couple of them again in the works, so I'm not sure which one's going to come out and uh, be ready to rock for time to air, but we'll see which one it is, and hopefully it'll be fun for everybody else, too. Uh, in the meantime, um, our website is artistofmotion.com. You can find us on Facebook at Artist of Motion. Find us on Spotify. New, 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 Spotify. 
Artist of Motion. If you want quick links for iTunes and for Google Play, you got www.artistemotion.com slash iTunes and www.artistemotion.com slash Google Play. I think that's about it for this week. Invading your auditory sensors next time. This is Steve Zalazowski with the Artist of Motion podcast.